Dan, we, we talked about that, and we said that that's a, that's a great way of evangelism, but there's an even better way. You know, how many remember the men, they, they brought the two men, brought the man, and there was such a crowd, it says the power to heal was present that day in Luke 5. And then it says, and they brought uh, the man, and they couldn't get through the crowd, and they lowered him down through the roof to get him to Jesus. And there is a great wisdom and, and you know, a lot to be said about bringing people to the Lord. And I, I think it's, it says, and they brought unto him probably a hundred times in the Bible, and they brought unto him. They brought the people to the power source to be healed, saved, and delivered. But how many of you know we've moved past that, and now it's us uh, go into all the world and, and preach the gospel and bring the power to the people that need it? So we are called to be sent out with the power instead of just bringing. Now, it's still good, and we still do that, and we have Friends Day, and we have Invite Sundays in this church, but that should not be the norm. That, that should be uh, the special occasion where we bring people in. But what should be is that we all go into all the world and preach the gospel. Can I get an amen? amen. See, in Jesus, it said in Luke 3.22, it says, and the Spirit descended upon him, even as in the form of a dove. Then Acts 10.38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about doing good, and healing all who pressed the devil, how God anointed him with power, and he went about. So Jesus had the power in him. But then we go to Acts 1.8, it says, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you, so you might be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. See, it's one thing if Jesus alone has the power and we all got to go to him, but it's another thing if we've all got the power and we can go out and decentralize and multi through multiplication take the power to many people. How many of you know the latter one is better? And that's what God's called us to. So let's bow our head. We're going to pray. That's what we talked about last week, and we're going to be talking about being sent out and how important it is to have a sent out understanding and mentality. You know, preachers get sent out to a church. Or an evangelist who is full-time gets sent out to a crusade. But see, a layman gets sent out every day to his workplace. I was hoping for a better amen than that. Amen. But we got to learn how to do that. Let's bow our head. Father, we thank you that you do send us out. And Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit does empower us. And we thank you that we don't go out with words of man's wisdom, but with power and demonstration of the Spirit that our faith should not rest upon the wisdom of men, but the power of God. So, Father, we pray that we'd be sent out with power. And we pray today people to have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers of this word. Father, give me clarity of mind, articulation of speech, and boldness of spirit to do justice speaking on this word. And we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, today I want to pick up and I want to talk about, you know, today in the church growth movement, uh, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of cultures, and, and they really dr draw draw a lot of their principles from consumerism and corporatism. And the family is not a corporation, it's a family. And the gospel is not based in, based in discipleship. It's not based on learning leadership, it's based on learning followership, discipleship, and headship. And there's many, many things being taught today that are really close, but they're really not the real deal. And we've got to finally, you know, delineate between truth and falsehood. Rightly dividing, you know, study to show yourself approved, work beneath, not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Consumerism goes back, an ancient word for it would be merchandising the gospel. It says, they'll make merchandise out of you, the false teachers, Peter said. It said that Satan, because of the multitude of his merchandise, that he was filled with pride, and then he fell, and he turned against the Lord. And so we've got to be careful to distinguish these finer points and need to understand that the gospel is not about 
merchandising, and, and it's not about, you know, in, instead of marketing, Jesus had a, a fame go out before him. How many of you remember that in Luke? You know, if, if you don't have a fame from the Holy Ghost, you got to market. Well, I'm not saying marketing is bad and you can't do it, but I'm saying that marketing with Holy Spirit fame has a lot more power. And it says a fame went out because of the powerment that was upon him when he came back from the wilderness temptation in Luke uh, 4. So those things are important. But today in the church growth movement, the church uh, you know, has converted the, the regular meeting of the saints where we need to be built up and empowered and sent out. And it has turned it into more of meetings of evangelism, which we should always share the gospel on Sunday morning if we see lost people. We should always be ready to, to invite and share gospel on Sunday morning. But Sunday morning is primarily for the saints. Can I get an amen? I can prove that with many scriptures, but we won't go there for the sake of time. And so Sunday morning is, is unto the Lord. It's a worship of God. It's not just uh, the gathering of the saints, but it's also the Sabbath day and Sabbath rest and, and sanctity, and it's about a lot of different things. But we know that most people come to church and, and they, they get saved there, and that's good. But, but let, me, let me take it to, to something better we need that for, to build up the saints, to exercise the saints, and to send out the saints for the multiplication of that power. I know a person who said, I've been going to this church for 10 years. We, we want a lot of people to the Lord, but I've heard the same message every Sunday, and I never have grown, and I need to go someplace where I can grow so I can get empowered so I can go out and win the lost. We need that dynamic happening in our local churches. And so sometimes we, we think that, you know, we, we're in control and, and we need to dumb it down for any lost person that might come in. And, but, you know, I have found this. If I just get my sermon from the Holy Spirit, it will, it will speak to the most well-educated, theological, Ph.D., lover of God, all the way down to the person that almost knows nothing about God. How many of you know the Holy Spirit can speak on every level that's sitting in the seats that day? Every level. If that, if that came from heaven, I don't have to dumb it down and, and me figure out where you're at and me bring it down to you. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Jesus opens the understanding. He's the one that is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's the one that said, flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you. He's the one that said, the reason why I speak in parables is it's not revealed to them and it is revealed to them. It's about revelation. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, not me. I stand and give the word, but he's the one that's going to bring revelation into your hearts and teach you. Can I get an amen? So when we understand that, we realize that it's so important that we have something to feed the people on Sunday morning. And people sometimes are fed, but sometimes people, you know, they don't go out. I want to give you three different reasons why people aren't sent out or they don't go out for the sake. You know, I, I, I can go out to work in the morning. And that's fine. But I should be going out to use my work to preach the gospel every morning. There's going out and then there's going out. And, and one is good, but one's a whole lot better. Because I'm just happy that you'll, you're willing to go work on <laughs> in the morning. And God is happy that you, you've got a work ethic and you're willing to go work. And that's really good. And that you provide for your family. He that doesn't provide for his own is worse than an infidel, the Bible says. God's just glad that you go work, but he's really glad if you go out to work in the natural vineyard, but then to work in his vineyard to win people to him. That's what we need to, that's what we need to master is being sent out. Sent out as a preacher to a church or sent out as a layman just to your job that you say that right thing to that right person at the right time that can change their life. It doesn't have to be a lot. 
can be just an act of kindness. It can just be saying something, you know, a word spoken in season. So we've got to learn to do that. So let me give you some, some reasons. Number one, some people actually resist going out or being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and some, number two, some feel unworthy and they don't feel like, like, I don't, I don't know. You know, you'll feel like you never know enough. You just got to step out. Then number three is people are not getting empowered to be supernaturally sent out. So those three reasons are why people don't go out usually. So number one, let me just say it again, people actually resist being sent out. They just don't want to. They're afraid of it. They don't have faith for it or, or something. I don't know. Number two, some just feel unworthy. They haven't gotten victory over sin. They, they don't have a, a sanctity in their life. And, and, they, and they're afraid that because they, they aren't getting the victory in sin that then it's going to mess up everything. And then lastly, people are not getting the empowerment to be sent out. They, they're going, they're, they're just kind of like they're, you know, some are sent and others just went. Some, you know, sometimes you shoot a gun and sometimes you just feel like you're shooting blanks. And if you just go out and you're not sent by the Holy Spirit, you're just kind of shooting blanks. Not much is really happening. So number one, resisting. Serious consequences if we resist the Lord's sending in our life. How many of you remember Jonah? Jonah resisted, and we could read there back in Jonah. I, I'm going to, you're going to have to trust me, but I, I'm not going to necessarily turn to every single scripture, but I am going to read this one. And it says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. The word of the Lord has come to us to be sent. And we'll read that out of Romans 10. And now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah and the, the son of Amittiah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish. Now he got a commission to go to Nineveh, but he rose up and he decided to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know where the Lord's presence is? Is in his will. He says, go to Nineveh. He says, no, I'm going to Tarshish. And so when he went to Tarshish, he fled, not the will of the Lord, but when you flee the will of the Lord, you flee the presence of the Lord. And wonder why, oh, the Lord's not in my life. Well, maybe you've been fleeing his command. And that's why you don't feel his presence. Because in his uh, obedience and in his plan and will for you is his presence. It's just like it was God's will for Jason to be down at Winter Bible Seminar. And he gets the call in the middle of worship service that they're going to take that money and, and they're going to apply it where he wants it applied. He also told me he got a bunch of calls for, for bigger jobs for, for his business side after that, too. And you forgot to give that part of the testimony. I know, there's too much to talk about this morning. we got a million things going on. But I'll tell you what, there's something very powerful that when you're in God's plan, you're in his presence. When you flee his plan, which is being sent out, you flee his presence. He spent time in the belly of the whale. You know, we, we look at that and we see that he, he fled presence and we can see that he was, you know, in the belly of the whale. And then it says, and most scholars believe this, that he died and went to hell is what most people believe because it says, you know, even as the son of man, uh, as Jonah was three days in the, belly, in, the, in, the, in the center of the earth, you know, so shall the son of man be. And so we, we can see that it said that he was in hell and the bars were wrapped around him. I'll tell you what, a life of disobedience is a life of hell on earth. It really is. A life of obedience is like heaven on earth. It says that in Deuteronomy. When we understand these things, we want to be sent out. 
Jonah's repentance came. His deliverance from the whale's belly came. His second chance to be sent out came, and he obeyed this second time. He went to Nineveh, and the king led the revival, and they all repented in sackcloth and in ashes. And good things happen. How many of you know when you obey God, good things happen? You know, in the book of Acts, the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 5, we see that the early church was commanded to go out. And we can see that the early church in Jerusalem didn't go out. Now, Antioch church did, but in Jerusalem, they didn't go out. And then it talks about, after that they had been there, that Paul, Saul came breathing threats, persecution arose, and they were scattered. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And it says, and they gave heed to the things that he said and the things that they saw and heard. Then it says that many were healed and many were delivered of the palsies and many were delivered from demons were cast out. And it says there was great joy in the city. In other words, there was a great revival, but they weren't planning on going out. God allowed persecution to come upon them and it scattered them out. How many of you know, I, I would rather just go on my own initiative than to have to be persecuted into doing what I'm supposed to do. It's just a better way of doing things. Because God's going to have his way one way or another. Either you're going to be in the belly of the whale or you're going to be persecuted if you won't go out. But how many of you know we need to go out every day? And, and I don't mean going out has to be a separate thing. I mean just the way that you go to work going out. Ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. We need to be ready to do that. If you don't know how to lead somebody to the Lord, we can teach you how to do that very easily. Listen to me when I give altar calls. It's very easy to learn how to do that. We're basically sinful, and that person has to understand that, and that Jesus took away all that sins, and that we don't die now because of our sins because Jesus took away. We die for not receiving Jesus and go to hell. If you're going to go to hell, it's because you didn't receive Jesus, not because of your sins. So when we understand that, it's, it's very good. Number two, the second reason, and you go ahead and turn to this one too. Let's go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. And some people just don't feel like they're worthy and that they can't really be sent by God. You know, Jonah was sent, and he just didn't want to go. He just basically kind of said no to God. Then there's a, the category of people that fall into this. And we can go to Isaiah 6 and 5, and it says, Then said, I woe unto me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He said, How would I be a preacher and go, to people, go tell people to live right when I... When I, my mouth isn't even under control. How many of you know the devil will try to get you uh, in condemnation? How many know he's the accuser of the brethren? He'll get you thinking about your sin consciousness more than your righteousness consciousness. You need to be consciousness of your righteousness in Christ than the unrighteousness in your flesh. You need to be more cognitive of your spiritual new birth than your natural birth into sin and unholiness. You, you need to give God the credit for changing you instead of the devil credit for making you what you used to be. Somebody give me an amen. We need to realize that the devil wants us to, to think on everything we've done wrong instead of what the Lord has done in us, which is all right. And he says, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And this is the Holy Ghost of fire. You know, when he, when he talks about a, a live coal in his hand, he had taken it 
I'm th- now think about tongues of fire when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost. How many remember there's an association with praying in tongues and tongues of fire? We all remember that, for, you know, Acts 2, 4. And then he says, and he laid it upon my mouth. This tongue, th- these tongs with these coals of fire. He laid it upon my mouth and he said, lo, this hath touched my lips. I'll tell you, my, my vocabulary got changed when I started talking in tongues. And my, my vocabulary in the world got smaller and my vocabulary in the spirit got bigger. And it says, and lo, this hath touched my lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And also I heard a voice from the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. If you've had an experience with the Lord, you should want to go. I had my tongue changed. I had that hot coal come into my life and change some things. And I went from saying, I don't want to be a preacher I, I don't like speaking in public. Why would God make me do that? I'll go home and farm with my dad and make ten times as much money. And something changed on the inside of me. And I said, Lord, send me. You need to have that experience if you haven't had it already. Now, here's another reason why people don't. They honestly are not in a place where anybody's teaching them about the power of God and giving opportunity for them to receive the power of God. You know, I'm amazed at what some people think the power of God is today. How many of you know, some people think goosebumps is the power of God? (laughs) I've never met people like that. And, and, And I'm not saying the power of God won't give you goosebumps, but how many of you know goosebumps is not the power of God? How many of you know that the power of God is, is not just somebody, you know, uh, touching your soul and making you cry, necessarily? I can listen to secular music and almost start crying to, to some of it if it's, if it's emotionally set up the right way. And, and, and I, but the power of God is a unique thing. What the electricity is in the natural realm, the power of God anointing is to the spiritual realm. And we need to get plugged into it. So I'm going to turn over there to Acts. Some, some of the things that people think is the power of God. I'm going to go to Acts 8th chapter. And we're just going to read. How many of you know that some people in the days of Acts 8th chapter, they thought that Simon the sorcerer was the power of God? I'm going to tell you something today. There's a lot of things going on in religion, in the New Age movement, in the world the world is no longer oriented towards atheism. It's oriented towards ancient paganism. I could give you the stats on that. It would, it would alarm you. There aren't very many atheists anymore. What there is a lot of is pseudo-Christian, New Age. You know, pseudo-Christos, that's where we get the word antichrist, is pseudo-Christos. is pseudo-Christian cults, pagan religion, New Age movement, Everybody believes in the spirit today, but it's just not the right spirit. And this is what they thought was the power of God in the days of the 8th chapter of Acts. And it says, I'm going to begin there in verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time his name in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. 
And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. They thought that was the power of God. I'll tell you, some of the things people think is the power of God today is not the power of God. It's the power of man. It's the power of merchandising. It's the power of the devil. And then you go to Acts 19. This is another reason why some people don't get sent out. They don't even know about the things of God. I'm going to read you another verse of Scripture. And it came to pass, while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came, from, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, there's some churches today, there's churches out there today that don't know very much about the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, And what were you baptized? And they said unto Jesus' baptism. Then said uh, Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they all heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. They weren't doing any of that before Paul came. There's churches that know Jesus. They know the word, but they don't know the Holy Spirit. But see, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. For what purpose? That you may be my witnesses, that's going out, into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do we be senders in our church today? How do we send people? It's very important that we understand how to be sent out. And in Acts 16, Paul sent out after he had received the Holy Ghost. And we can see, and I'm, I'm, I'm having to hop, skip, and jump through some of my notes here. But I want to show you some ways that the Holy Ghost sends us. Number one, we're going to go to Acts 4 through 8. Acts 8, 4 through 8. And again, we don't need necessarily to turn there, but the story is, the church at Jerusalem was not going out. I'll read it. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This is Acts 8.1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at the time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. For Saul had made a havoc in the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad and everywhere preaching the word. So number one, sometimes God's going to kind of kick you out of the nest. Because at Jerusalem, at least they were praying. Number two, the second way, and this is, this is really a chronicle of Philip the Evangelist. Everybody say, the Evangelist. He's the only person in the Bible called the Evangelist. So he's a good one to model. So he was kind of pushed out at first. And then secondly, we see him in verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So first of all, Mr. Philip the Evangelist came under persecution, was pushed out. 
He went down to the city of Samaria, had a huge revival. So that was kind of God nudging him out. You know, some of us, we, God has to nudge us out. Secondly, it says they just chose after that. And it says, and when they had testified and preached the word, it says they returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Then came the stage of just simple obedience. And they went out into all the world and they preached in every place. You know, you got to get good at just preaching it to everybody before God's going to send you specifically to somebody. Because then the next stage we see is, he goes from that to verse 26, we're in Acts 8, 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is in, desert, in the desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man, an Ethiopian eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Secondly, or thirdly, he gets pushed out, and then they just decided to obey, and they went around to every village. And then thirdly, a more higher level of evangelism, where the Spirit of God spoke to him to go to a specific individual. How many of you know he went, and he answered some questions about Isaiah, and that Ethiopian unit got saved and got baptized. How many remember the story? Because Philip was now sensitive enough to be sent. How many of you would say, that's moving up the, a notch in supernatural ability? Empowered. Now I'm going to take you, after he gets him baptized, listen to this. We're in verse 39. And then when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So now let's chronicle this real quick. First of all, he gets kicked out of the nest through persecution, gets shoved out, and he preaches in Samaria, has a revival. Number two, he comes back from there and he preaches in all of the villages. Just an act of obedience to the word of God. It's a little, that's taking it up another notch. And then after he's just been obedient to the word of God of preaching and going out, now God sends him on assignment specifically to a person of great authority, like a national treasurer, and he goes to him, and the guy's reading his Bible, wondering if somebody could come help him figure out what it means. He answers the questions. He asks him about baptism. He receives Christ. He gets baptized, and coming up out of the water, he doesn't get sent to go someplace. God just takes him to another city. How many of you know that's a whole other realm of supernatural evangelism? And he's found preaching. How many of you know God will up the ante if we'll just be obedient? And he'll keep taking it up a notch if we'll just obey and go out and do what the Lord tells us to do. Paul, when he was sent in Acts 16, 6 through 10, he, he first essayed to go to Asia. And God said no. He essayed to go to Messiah. He said no. He essayed to go to uh, Phrygia. And then finally he had a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come on over here, Paul. Come on over here, Paul. And he said, he, he, he assumed that that meant that they were to go there and preach the gospel. He did, and it came to pass, and they, had, and they had many people saved. How many of you know, if we'll just obey, Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and he'll establish your thoughts. Then it goes down in the ninth verse, and it says, 
A man devises his way, but the Lord will direct his steps. If you'll devise your way to go out and evangelize, God will direct your steps when you get going. But you've got to put your feet in the water before the water's going to spread. You've got to go out into all the world with the idea of going out into all the world to preach the gospel before God's going to show up and show you who to go to and what to do. And he's going to help. But, but it, he gets on board your obedience. He is the helper, not the doer. Amen. So we look at this, and so how do we make this all happen? How do we begin to obey God? And we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to move through this relatively quickly. So I want to give you two major things. You're saying, well, you know, I I want to be sent out. I want to be like that. I want to win people to the Lord. I want to stand and have the soul winner's crown. Paul says, what is our rejoicing? It's all of you guys that we want to the Lord in Thessalonians. What is our crown of rejoicing? What will be your eternal joy? Number one, it's going to be real joy. Number two, it's going to be forever. A lot of people have substituted phony joy or happiness, not real joy, and just very temporary instead of having real joy forever. Real joy forever, he says, is the crown of rejoicing in heaven. And he says, and what is it but you the people that he had won to the Lord. He was addressing them. How many of you want to have joy forever? I, I want to be in the presence of the Lord rejoicing. How do we begin to see people being sent out? Number one, Matthew 9:38. Jesus said, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest send labors, send labors into the harvest. He says, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the harvest. Are you praying for yourself to be sent? Are you praying for others to be sent? In Acts, the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 4, we've got a marvelous example of praying and sending and how those two dynamics work together. In Acts 13.2, it says, They ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed unto Cyprus. When they were at Somehow else they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also joined John to the, as their minister. So prayer, gifts of the Spirit, laying on of hands, is present with the supernatural Holy Spirit sending. How many of you know we need to be praying? And we can see that that's, that's, that's it is there has to be prayer, there has to be fasting, there has to be revelations and gifts of the Spirit saying, you need to send this person here. Just like Paul was forbidden in about four cities before he had the dream to go to Macedonia. We can see that God does forbid people to go some places and he commands them to go to others. You know, if you're called to go to Nineveh, you're not going to get by with going down to Tarshish to preach. He's just not going to let you do it. And so we've got to be sent. Number two just first one is praying number two is going how many of you know we just got to go there's a going that we've got to obey with god and uh that is so important 
And you know what? We're out of time. I'm going to pick up next week. We're going to, this is what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about, I was afraid it was going to turn into three. <laughs> but we're going to talk about some really supernatural, wonderful things that you need to know about going. We're going to go to the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about how that when we go, that God has some specific things. And we're going to look at some models like Philip. We're going to look at some models like Stephen. And then we're going to look at some supernatural things that you can do in the church that causes you to, like in spiritual terms, that will cause you to purchase a promotion and a great boldness. And what serving in the church does to help send you. These are some of the most, these things the Lord showed me several years ago, and some of you heard me, have heard me preach on these things. These are some of the most supernatural things that you can learn to be sent. Our church has sent more people out than churches ten times its size. And I don't know why God uses us this way. You know, we, we had... Uh, you know, we, we had a couple that went to Rod Parsley's church. And within a few weeks' time, because of the way they were trained here, she was made his, own, his personal assistant and administrator. A church of about 10,000 at that time. It's not that big now. But we've had people that were sent that immediately would find positions at mega churches. And I'm thinking, wow, here, they were trained in this small church. And they go there. And they bypass all the people of 10,000 people, and, and they go after people that have been trained in our church. I'm going to tell you something. There's some things that if you understand them when you go, the road, the, the road will be paved before you. And God will show you some things if you'll do certain things that the Scripture commands us to do. That's what we're going to talk about next week. And, 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 and I believe it can be life-changing to people finding their place, finding their direction, finding what the next step is in their life. How many of you want to know what the next chapter of your life is going to be? Amen. We're going to talk about that next week. It's really some powerful stuff, so I am not going to try to fit it in the next uh, three minutes because it's probably going to take 30, 40 minutes. And so let's all stand up. <laughs>